Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello, and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. My name is Lisa. I'm your host. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with fitness and nutrition coach, Jeremiah Bear. Welcome to the show. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you as well. Like we we're talking about on Instagram. I feel like I have like kind of known you for a good like four years. At least. <laughs> I think that we've, I think I've followed you and I've like been very, um, like up to date on your journey, your progression as a coach yourself and like watching you build your own company and things of that nature. So it's been super cool. And I'm excited for us to finally get to chat because again, I think for as long as I followed you and like been aware of you and like kind of been in the same circle as you, it's funny that we haven't talked yet really. So I'm excited to get in this conversation. Totally. I couldn't agree more. And it's been really exciting seeing your journey and um, your company's journey as well. Your company's name is Elevated Coaching Systems, if I'm not mistaken. And you mostly specialize in body recomposition and primarily women. Is that your clientele or what would you say? Who do you usually work with? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I would say we work mostly women 30 to 45, of course, some outliers in either direction. And work with a few men really though i would say like 90 to 95 percent of our clientele is going to be women yeah um women that want to build muscle lose fat so yeah pretty much um focused very much on like both ends of the spectrum we don't specialize too much in like fat loss or muscle growth again like very much try to take a holistic approach to it so it does kind of come out to I, I don't typically like label us like we're body recomposition specialists, but we do see because we focus on both those aspects, a lot of impressive body recomposition results. Awesome. And yeah, before uh, we got recording or in the past when we were speaking as well, obviously we both agreed that one of the main keys for achieving amazing body composition, et cetera, and sustaining that um, is nutritional periodization. And I I would love to dig into that a little bit in the sense of, what is nutritional periodization? Maybe you can um, just define that for someone who is completely new here. Um, and then also why you think this is one of the most important aspects. Yeah, I love this. And I think this is such an important topic to discuss because it's something that so many people miss. So, so many individuals, like when they start coaching and Again, this seems to be a lot more prevalent with women. It'll be like, hey, I have been trying to diet for the last three five years or more right mm -hmm. for a very long period of time and i'm frustrated because i still like i'm dieting i'm dieting and dieting but i still can't seem to achieve the physique that i want right and very much like this is why i think like this this discussion is so important around nutrition periodization as a whole so to first kind of define that think of it as just using almost different phases where our focus within each of these phases is going to be different so again like Think of like our both our calorie intake, our total nutrient intake, alongside the actual outcomes that we're trying to achieve from this phase. The focus within these phases is different, but all these phases are meant to work synergistically. So over the course of a year, two years, whatever it may be, um, when we combine the different outcomes we get from these results, they lead to the most favor or from these different phases, they lead to the most favorable body composition, right? So again, like think like, we might have a fat loss phase and then a reverse diet and then a maintenance phase where we might start a client in a health, 
health, a health phase and then enter a building phase, right? So rather than just like, hey, my goal is to be leaner a year from now, let's say, rather than just, okay, so I'm going to diet for a year, we might do something like, okay, we're going to start you off in a health phase and then maybe we're going to enter a building phase and then a fat loss phase, right? Well, it may seem like, okay, well, um, and will, of course, I'm sure we'll dig deeper into this, but it, well, it may seem like initially it's counterproductive to like, okay, why not just like stay in fat loss for that entire year? Typically what we'll see is you can get a better result if you focus on these other phases outside of just fat loss. Um, does that answer your first question? 100%. Yes. Okay. Okay. Remind me what the second part of that question was. <laughs> um, and why it's so key in the sense of why it's effective as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So again, I would say the most common client avatar that we work with is a female client who has been dieting for, or in a dieting mindset rather for a very long period of time. Right. And typically like what this leads to is, Hey, again, it's typically been like multiple years that they have been trying to diet, but really not seeing much progress. Right. So similarly, if we like zoom out, typically what that client wants to achieve when they start coaching is I want a physique that both looks leaner and also has more muscle, right? So this constant dieting is a problem for a few reasons. First and foremost, it typically leads to just individuals getting burnt out, right? So, I mean, when I say dieting, again, I, I, I'm more referring to a diet mindset than like a client that's constantly in a calorie deficit, right? Because in that case, they would like still continue to get leaner. But within this, typically what it leads to is like, okay, after maybe that first three to six months of dieting, really, I think around 12 to 16 weeks, like most people past that time frame, like adherence to the diet really starts to slip. And we get to the point where like continuing to try to diet just isn't as productive as if we just like stepped away from the diet for a bit. So typically what this leads to is these people are in a place where, okay, maybe four to five days out of the week, I'm really dramatically under eating. Um, and typically that's also paired with like, it's typically through your weekdays. So like Monday through Thursday, um, I'm dramatically under eating. That's also when the bulk of my training is. So at this period of time, like I'm under eating, but I'm also pushing myself very hard at the gym. It's a huge amount of stress, but because I'm not eating very much during that time frame, I really struggle to recover from that. So I'm really not building much muscle. Um, I, this is potentially causing some like negative downstream effects hormonally. And then from there, because I'm so burnt out, I'm like felt so restricted throughout the week. Then the like two to three days over the weekend, I am swinging completely in the opposite direction and I'm typically overeating. So basically what happens is it feels like I'm always, it feels like I'm always dieting, um, but I'm not losing fat. And it feels like I'm always trading hard, but I'm not building nearly as much muscle as I could. Right. So again, like typically if we're like chronically dieting, that's kind of the place that people are stuck in. So again, when we bring it back to this person who wants to lose fat and build muscle first, just like mentally, just taking some time away from the diet allows us to, once we do get back to the diet, we're refreshed. We spent plenty of time eating more food. We're out of this place of like kind of food scarcity, just as much mentally as physically. And because of that, like once we do get back to the diet, it's easier to adhere to and actually see a better result. But alongside that, typically again, like this they may think like, hey, to achieve the physique I want, I just need to keep getting leaner. I just need to keep getting leaner, right? But again, like we bring on a lot of women who are already very lean, very fit. And oftentimes it's like, hey, actually, no matter how lean you get, you won't have the physique you want until you first add more muscle tissue to your frame. And we also know that, well, depending on where you're at in your training career and depending on how advanced you are, you are capable of building some muscle on a calorie deficit. 
deficit, being outside of a calorie deficit, eating plenty of food is going to be much more conducive to adding more muscle tissue to your frame, right? So again, for a lot of the clients that we work with, the solution to getting the physique you want isn't actually like, hey, you just need to keep dieting, you need to keep getting leaner. It's actually often, hey, we need to spend some time eating more food. We know that when we are in a calorie surplus, muscle protein breakdown is going to be reduced. Rate of muscle protein synthesis is going to be increased, which basically just means it's going to be easier for your body to accrue muscle tissue. You'll be better fueled to be able to push harder in your training. You'll be able to recover better. And again, after something like six to 12 months focusing on really like even for that, like for most people, six months is a very short time. frame. realistically, we're looking at like, I would say 10 to 14 months is a very good time frame for, okay, by this time spending like most of that time focusing on really fueling yourself, eating plenty of food and a calorie surplus, then we can add a good amount more muscle tissue to your frame. So then the next time you diet your physique, like as we continue to lose body fat, you are going to have so much more muscle on your frame. That's your, the shape of your physique is going to have changed a lot. And again, even then, like, um, if we have like 10 pounds of body fat on your frame, let's say, let's say that like you ended your last diet. Let's actually say you ended your last diet with 20 pounds of body fat on your frame. From there, let's say we go through a building phase, we add an additional six pounds of muscle. You get back to that point where once again, you only have 20 pounds of body fat on your frame. Because we have that additional six pounds of muscle, the ratio of lean mass to fat mass is going to have improved. And thus you will still look leaner, but also again, like your shape will have changed a lot. So like from a high level overview, that's a very long tangent there, but from a high level perspective, for so many women specifically that we work with, that is such a big part of it where it's like, hey, actually to achieve the physique you want, we need to take some time away from this to focus on building. Um, there's a whole nother, like from a health perspective, from like a mental health perspective, a hormonal health perspective, there's like other aspects that we could get into. But um, do you want to continue that conversation or do you want to take this in a different direction? I just talked for a long time there. <laughs> no, I love it. Absolutely. I think you mentioned so many great points already in the sense of um, firstly, also it contributing to adherence. I mean, that's always, that always has to come first. And and finally being the, the thing that helps you stay adherence, continuing to do for the duration of time that you're supposed to do what, what you're supposed to do. Point number one. Point number two, you mentioned um, hormonal health, metabolic health, incredibly important um, to maintain that or maintain that as best as possible throughout a dieting phase or restoring it um, after a dieting phase. I think that is the second point after adherence where most people go wrong. They might lose the weight and then it all comes back because they don't do a reverse diet and they don't practice or have never practiced maintenance. And I, I just recently heard that quote unquote phrase from someone practicing maintenance. And I, I just love it. Like when, whenever um, people take right. a diet break these days, I don't say, Hey, we're going to take a diet break. I'm, I'm, I'm rephrasing it as in, Hey, we're going to practice maintenance for a couple of weeks or for a little while, <laughs> because most people don't do that. As you say, women are either like, Oh, it's Christmas. I'm just going to eat whatever. Or it's like, oh, I need to lose weight. Like hardly ever will you get to that point where it's like, oh, I'm super happy where I'm at what do I do now? <laughs> like, how do right. I, how do I keep that? Right. So practicing that I think is super, super important. But then of course, um, the th third important point that you mentioned being, um, adding more muscle mass. And I think so many people are really scared going into a calorie surplus because we always just hear more training is better, less food is better. And it sounds incredibly counterproductive eating more when you 
technically when your end goal actually is to weigh less but right. being guided through through all of this through a reverse diet or maintenance or whatever can be so so beneficial and so yeah I, I think we can absolutely dig a little bit deeper into that because um most people don't hear about the importance and and the different aspects of nutritional periodization enough yeah, absolutely. And you touched on an incredible point there too, where I didn't even touch on like the maintenance phases, but that is so important as well, because also so many people think like, okay, I achieved my initial goal. And it's like, I was talking to a potential client last month and she had worked with a coach. Now I don't like want to like take this. I don't, I don't know this coach's full methods. All I know is like what she like gave me, but, um, what she was told from her perspective was, okay. So the diet she was, I think that they were eating around 1200 calories. And I also don't ascribe to like 1200 calories is always bad or anything like that. It's very individual, but basically what he, what her coach had told her is like, Hey, we have to, she was eating about around 1200 calories and she had lost around 30 pounds and her coach told her less. So like, Hey, to maintain this for the rest of your life, you're constantly just going to have to eat a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. So gradually it's going to get to the point where like, even like just to maintain, not to like continue losing, but just to maintain. So you're getting to the point where you have to eat like 800, 700 calories daily just to maintain. And that's not reality at all. So <laughs> the reality is we can like maintain on quite a bit more than what it takes to lose. And that's so important though, because I think so many people are in that mindset of like, so it, I think there's a fine line. Like you hear people say like, no matter what you're doing with the diet, it should always be sustainable. And the thing is like the calorie intake doesn't need to be sustainable, right? And it, sh it shouldn't be right. Like if you're eating in a deficit, if you're sustaining that, like if you sustain a deficit long enough, eventually you would die. But on the flip side, like it's, I think more so the message people are trying to get across is like the style of eating that you're following should be more sustainable. But within that, the important thing to understand is like at maintenance, we can consume considerably more food. We have more room for dietary flexibility than we do when we're in a deficit. So, so many people make the mistake of thinking like, Hey, okay, the diet is over. I have to keep doing exactly what I've been doing to maintain this result. And then again, we see things like, okay, now suddenly like, Hey, maybe your period is getting much more irregular, or you're really noticing, like I'm having a, I just feel awful in the gym or like libido has disappeared or something like that. And things of that nature, right? We get all these negative biofeedbacks, biofeedback signals. So within that, it's so important to look at, okay. First, we want to bring your calorie intake back up to your, uh, around your maintenance levels, see what those truly are. And as you put it so well, let's just take some time practicing maintenance, right? And see like, what is a comfortable homeostasis for you and for your body, both from a like biofeedback perspective, are we in a place where your hunger is low? Um, your cravings are low. Your energy is good. You have good libido. You have a consistent, healthy menstrual cycle, things of that nature. But alongside that, from a like enjoyment of your life perspective, um, coach Natalie on her team puts this so well, where she kind of frames it as maintenance is kind of like your home, right? And we like go on these trips and fat loss phases and the building phases, but maintenance is kind of always the home that we come back to. So we want to make sure like you enjoy your home, you're comfortable in your home. It's like somewhere you like to be. So then we have to look at even like practicing your life with food. What does that look like, right? Like for you, is it like, hey, I want to be able to go on a date night with my husband every week. Okay, let's take some time to practice that. So especially in the context of coaching, I think this is really one of the most important times to be coached because really like most people have lost the weight in the past. It is the ability to maintain that result that you really want. So from the perspective of, again, coaching, 
like the maintenance phase doesn't sound nearly as sexy as a fat loss phase or even like a building phase, but it is so important because it's again like practicing those things because typically people swing too hard in one of two directions at the, at the end of the diet. Either it's again, like I just continue to try to diet and eat less and less and less and just <laughs> feel awful all the time. Or I completely revert back to um, my old patterns and routines to where it's like, okay, diet's over. I'm going to go back to doing exactly what I was before and then typically will regain the weight, right? So within that, again, we have, kind of have to practice walking that midline where you're well-fueled, you have plenty of energy. Um, you're good at not just like, not just the things like tracking or whatever it may be, but actually the skills of, again, like working in date nights and things of that nature, and just like creating the life that you want and practicing living that while still maintaining a healthy lean body composition, that is also just something that takes time. So again, like that maintenance phase is so important and so valuable um, in that regard. So again, I think that's another, just something that's so overlooked. And again, like, I think we can talk about the fat loss phases and the building phases all day, but really I think like the maintenance phase is one of the most important phases of all of this. Any thoughts on that from you? I'm interested, yeah, I'm interested I, to hear your take there. I, I totally uh, love the, um, comparison or metaphor, whatever you want to call it, of maintenance being home and practicing that that particular phase and really people needing guidance to get there. I a couple of times it's happened that, you know, a client has reached their goal and um then right then and there they're like, oh, okay, I'm good to go out on my own. And it breaks my heart because every time I say oh, when always. this happens, I just say this is the like honestly this is just as important as the dieting phase right now because a your body wants to soak up everything that's inside like if you trust your natural hunger signals now you stop and you stop tracking then you're going to gain the weight back because your body wants you to gain the weight back number one number two if you were to stay at the current calorie level as you uh explained so nicely earlier you know your your body doesn't want to be in a constant calorie deficit and might downregulate its metabolism for the time being etc so really being guided out of that dieting phase is so 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 important so yeah it, it breaks my heart when that happens and practicing maintenance i think the thing that is um quote-unquote unsexy about it is just because the scale doesn't move like our metric a lot of our metrics right. really don't move people and including myself here i'm super motivated by numbers i like to see numbers in the gym go up of course like you know in, in a dieting phase we want to see the numbers going down and like it's motivating if you know what you do leads to a, a visible different result as opposed to just maintaining it but exactly here we can add some ex some extra metrics such as and um, you know how how is your cycle improving are you starting to sleep better are you feeling more energized in the gym and so on are you implementing more fun foods etc so yeah i totally uh, agree here and i i'd love for you to explain maybe a little bit more because you you mentioned adding more muscle to the frame and how important that is and how helpful that can really be and is in that overall periodization but maybe you can explain a little bit more the whole concepts of hypertrophy like what do we really need to look at here because i think people are confused when it comes to certain rep ranges they come either from you know really these these boot camp style classes or then they hear oh i should be strength training more so then they just do like 
three reps or whatever of only the compounds and they don't do any machines at all. So like it's, we have some really different camps and what in your opinion is the best range if there is such um, for hypertrophy? Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about hypertrophy training, we're basically just talking about training that's going to be effective for building muscle. And I think the most important thing to understand is just because you're in the gym doing something that feels challenging, that doesn't necessarily mean that what you did was effective for building muscle tissue, right? And I think that's like, if we could sum it up as like, what's the most common misunderstanding about what do I need to do to change my physique? It's just that, right? So many people think like, well, I crushed on the Peloton, I'm exhausted afterwards, but that's probably not gonna be effective, very effective for building muscle. Same thing goes for like a lot of classes like Orange Theory. Um, CrossFit, that triggers a lot more people, but to a lesser extent, depending on the individual and their genetics, oftentimes CrossFit won't be quite as optimal either. But within that, then when we're looking at, so to dig a little bit deeper into why I say that, like we have a couple of prerequisites we know we need to add muscle tissue to your frame, right? So first and foremost, one of the most effective things or one of the most important things is going to be our proximity to failure, right? So basically within a set, how close are we getting to actually like failing within that? So um, basically to create a stressful enough situation, so to speak, that um, to basically recruit and fatigue enough muscle fibers within any, any given muscle, to basically send the signal to your body that like, oh, wow, that was very hard and stressful. We need to adapt and grow at the site so that next time we experience the stress, we can be better able to handle it. Basically to create that signal, which is going to be like, what's going to stimulate muscle growth. We are going to need to be, this is somewhat debated, but I think generally like three reps or less shy of failure is a pretty good rule of thumb for, okay, our sets need to be taken about three reps shy of fail, right? That's going to be one important variable there. Secondly, we need to look at, um, what is the limiting factor within this set, right? So then oftentimes when it comes to training, like people will do like, let's say you're doing, um, let's say you're doing back squats. And then instead of taking rest periods, let's say you're like doing jumping jacks or like you're doing jump rope or something like that in between sets, right. To try to burn more calories. Now, the problem here is to actually stimulate muscle growth. Again, we need to get close to failure, but we need the actual tissue or tissues, the muscle tissues that you're trying to grow. We need those to be the things that are the limiting factor that cause you to fail, right? So if we are doing jump, let's say we're trying to grow our quads with this back squat. So that means that what we need to be, the, the limiting factor here is again, that fatigue, that stress, that tension in your quads and your quads are so close to failing that we have to stop the set to stimulate muscle growth. Like that's what we need to be the limiting factor. But if we're jump roping between sets and so you stop the set, not because like, oh, wow, I have so much tension in my quads, but rather I'm just exhausted. I'm gasping for air. So my cardio system is a limiting factor rather than again, this tension. And then again, it's not going to be very effective for stimulating muscle growth. So within that, like our proximity to failure, what is the limiting factor, right? So again, like a couple of common scenarios here are going to be like people. So often people will just like arbitrarily stop a set like, Hey, um, okay. So my coach assigned me eight to 12 reps. So, Hey, hit 12 reps. Cool. Set's done. But they don't <laughs> think about like, okay, well, how close was I really to failure there? Similarly, then when we're getting into like, okay, was the thing that caused me to stop the set? Was it fatigue in that specific tissue that I was trying to train? Or was it again, like my cardio system? Was it something like my grip strength? Was it again, like maybe I'm doing time-based circuits, right? 
or again, just trying to hit a specific rep count rather than stopping because I've reached the target proximity to failure. So to bring it back to your original question then about like what the rep ranges are going to be, I think those are important caveats with like, those are really going to be two of the most important factors there because the reality is we do know that it seems that anywhere between five and 30 reps, as long as we are taking, again, we're hitting an adequate proximity to failure, anywhere between five to 30 reps for hypertrophy is going to give us a pretty similar level of results. Now, we also have to look at a little bit deeper, um, the actual exercises that we're doing. And this is also something that's debated in the industry, which kind of surprises me. Like logically to me doing like a five rep lateral raise, for example, just doesn't make very much sense. I think it's very hard to do without momentum or a lot of other muscle groups taking over, but I know it, this is kind of hotly debated, but like from, from my perspective, I do still think rep ranges matter, but I base it more on movements than anything else. So similarly, like if you're going to do a 30 rep back squat, by the time that is just so much time under the bar to really, again, like those last few reps before failure are the ones that are the most effective. Those are the ones that are most stimulative for muscle growth. So again, basically think the last, like somewhere between three to five reps before we fail, those are kind of like the meat and potatoes. Those are where we really get into the stimulus and the response. It's not to say that the reps before that, let's say if we did, so let's say like we took a set of 10 to failure. Um, those last five reps are again, like those most effective ropes, those reps, those are the ones that are the most stimulative, especially like the last three, right? So it's not to say like those first five reps of that 10 rep set are a waste entirely, but we're not going to be getting nearly as much out of it as those last five reps. So again, if we're doing like a 30 rep set of back squats to failure first, that just sounds awful. That's going to be like three minutes of doing back squats <laughs> and you are going to have so much, it's a lot more likely that by the time we hit that point, we're going to have a lot of cardiovascular fatigue, right? We're just gasping for air which that could become the rate limiter. You just feel nauseous or you just hate your life. You decide it's not worth it to keep doing this, whatever it may be. So within that, um, something like a back squat, most compound movements are going to make the most sense. And typically something like the six to 12, maybe up to six to 15 rep range on the flip side. And again, speaking very much in generalities here, especially like movements, like again, like a back squat, a more tactical movement, like a back squat, a Romanian deadlift, for example, where if we have to do like 20 to 30 reps, there's just so much room for our form to start slipping as cardiovascular fatigue sets in that like if technique isn't as good, we're not going to get as good of tension within the tissue that we're trying to train. We're more likely to, again, like slip up on technique and potentially hurt ourselves or something of that nature. Whereas on the flip side, a lot of isolation exercises, if we're trying to stick to like in like the five to eight rep range, in my opinion, they just don't carry themselves well to that because Typically, we're going to have to use a lot of momentum to really try to actually lift the weight, um, which again will lead to muscles that we don't necessarily want contributing to contribute more. So again, think like the lateral raise. If we're really trying to do like a heavy set of five reps, lateral five rep lateral raises, again, oftentimes we're just going to end up shrugging, using a lot more of our traps, for example, than we want. The traps are going to be involved regardless, but again, we'll typically technique will get a little bit sloppier, especially like for a movement like a lateral raise, where it is really like peak benefit of it is going to be at the top of the rep, right? That's where we're going to generate the most tension. But if we're really just swinging and we're having to launch the weight because we're using such a heavy weight, we're actually like just using momentum through the top half of the movement. We're not actually going to have to stress in like, uh, we're not going to have as much resistance through the top half of the movement like we want in that shortened range. So, and that's again, kind of a, that's a completely different topic, but um, the point being generally, I think like most compound movements are going to be best suited to somewhere between six to 12 to maybe up to 15 reps, um, depending on the movement. And then most of your isolation movements are probably going to be better suited to something like the eight to 20 rep range. And then again, like your proximity to failure, 
And what's the limiting factor here are going to be the two other most important variables. Does that all make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more when it comes to the rep range. And I love the very first thing that you said in the sense of just because we feel it was an exhausting workout or we got a burn in this and that area doesn't mean that it was effective, yet alone optimal. And I totally right. see from experience here because I used to think if I'm not, you know, completely drained and sweat, et cetera, on the floor after a CrossFit workout or whatever, um, like, what am I even doing in the gym? And that's so, um, so not true, obviously. Uh, and I think what people hear a lot these days is intensity and, oh yeah, you need to train with intensity and 100%. I, I totally, totally, um, agree with that, that that's why you also mentioned, you know, proximity to failure that in my opinion is the connection to intensity. But when people hear intensity, they often think, sweat or exhaustion or being sore the next day and and none of those things really mean intensity intensity really is more connected with how close am i getting to muscular failure and i think um often we think like in the middle of a set or whatever oh i can now feel this and that body part that means i must be getting close to failure and so i'm going to stop now and i think the research is very clear that most people stop way too early when they are asked to stop at a maybe a rep rp or whatever or um like you know with two reps in reserve for instance um they technically still have five six sometimes even eight reps left in reserve. So my encouragement to most of the people that um, I train with or that are even listening, probably, I would say that wherever it's safe, particularly do take your lifts to failure, especially with accessory work. Like what's going to come from you pushing a lateral raise to failure? Absolutely nothing. Like there is chances of you getting injured doing that are so minimal. Of course, when we're talking about a deadlift or a squat or, or even a bench if you don't have a spotter <laughs> then you know it, it's, it's a totally different ball game but for many many lifts or even like a hip thrust something like that like most women that want to shape their glutes more or whatever there's no harm in taking your hip thrusts to failure so do that more often so that you can actually see okay this is where my failure is at and now from here, the next few training sessions, I can kind of scale it back a little bit. But I think overall, we're and like, I'm including myself in that, but we're often too timid when it comes to pushing the weights um, in, in the right way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I have a client who started relatively recently. And like, we had the same thing where in our training, um, because I'm, I get a ton of form videos back from my clients, not only to make sure technique is in place, but also the intensity is there. And for her, um, hip thrusts were across the board. What I was seeing is like, Hey, you have a lot more left in the tank than you think you do. So for example, we had a, we had an RIR scheme where, or so for the listener reps in reserve, basically meaning we would have stopped with X number of reps in the tank, which across three sets, it was supposed to be two, one, zero, right? So the final set was going to be taken to failure. So within that, I was really seeing again, like, Hey, from your form videos, there's a lot more than like what you're calling two reps is more like five to six reps. So what I challenge her to do is, um, okay, final set here. I want you to record this for me. I want you to take this to like all out failure to the point where you literally just can't do another good rep. So what she did again, first two sets, 
she what she did she ranked as two and one rir she did 12 reps for those each of those first two sets then that final set to failure with the same weight she did 20 reps right yeah. so again like amazing yeah. <laughs> so like we see we see the disparity there where and this was a, a relatively advanced training herself but like we see the disparity there where like hey she thought that for that was two rir but again if her if to zero rir is 20 reps really that was like eight rir right so again i think it's just something that's so important that's very much like with clients as you said like the safety of it is also important like i'm never going to prescribe like a romanian deadlift to failure or like a barbell back squat failure more stable patterns even like a smith machine a leg press things like that like we can feel pretty safely on um but so of course we need to consider that but very much like I do frequently challenge clients like, Hey, especially if it's someone who struggles to push themselves hard. Now on the flip side, there are clients where it's like, uh, so I think of like one client, uh, shout out to my client, Lexi, I'm working with her right now. And we're going through a period where like she's transitioning off of birth control. So like right now we're just focusing on getting her cycle back and we need to pull back the intensity in her training. And for her, I'm watching her videos and it's like, Hey, this is supposed to be three RAR. but that was more like zero to maybe one at most. So like, we need to continue to pull this back. So there's like people in either, either direction, but, um, yeah, very much. I think like, as you said, testing yourself and like that example, I would even record yourself and actually watch the video as well, because oftentimes you'll see, like, it doesn't like it felt hard in your head, but if you watch the video, like you're not seeing like reps really start to slow down, which those last few reps before failure, they should be really slow. Not because you're just like intentionally moving slower, but you literally can't move the weight any quicker. Um, so I think that's just such an important thing to practice. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I want to shift a tiny little bit. You mentioned earlier a client or potential client that came to you who had had a previous coach who obviously was not a very good coach because he told her she needed to eat less and less and less and less. But um, uh, I'm wondering if you might be able to identify some green slash red flags for people in when it comes to soft skills for coaching. And um, so like when they speak to someone or start following someone on social media um, and they're contemplating getting getting a coach, what is something to look out for or or not to look out for, I guess? Oh man, this is a hard question because I do think in the industry, I feel like there's a lot of negativity and I want to be, I want to be very careful with how I answer this because I, I see a lot in the industry of like, this person coaches differently than I do. Therefore they're wrong. And that's like, I, I very much like don't ascribe to that because no matter how good of a coach you are, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well, there will just be some people who like there's nothing that I care more about than my clients, but there will just be some people who they're just not the best fit for you, right? No matter like how good of a coach you are, how knowledgeable you are, how much you care. So the reality is like, there are lots of different coaches out there who have extremely different styles than I do. And that doesn't necessarily make them like a bad coach. I think that's, I think first and foremost, like that's important to understand. And on the flip side, I think there is such a thing as coach with coaching as like too many cooks in the kitchen where is again like i like your question because i think this is important to like think through before you hire a coach because i do think like when you hire a coach it is important that you are able to go all in on their processes right if you if you hire a coach and you're constantly second now this isn't me saying like don't ask questions your coach should be able to and i think i think that's one important part like if we were to identify a red flag or a green flag your coach should be able to explain why you're doing everything you're doing right um if your coach just tell now 
I, I also don't like just like, hey, just trust the process. And like, I think oftentimes that's like, well, that's used as like, I don't necessarily actually understand why I'm doing what, what I'm doing. So I think that's kind of, a, I think that's a cop out. Um, I, at the same time, again, like, so your coach should be able to explain why you're doing everything that you're doing. But again, like when you hire a coach, I also think it's important that you go all in. And whereas if it's like, okay, but this coach is coaching people this way and this coach is coaching people this way. And you're like always second guessing the, the plan. So thus you're only like following it like 60 to 70%. You're not going to get nearly as good of results as you could have. Now on the flip side, again, like, again, your coach should be able to explain why we're doing what we're doing. Um, I, I think alongside that, when it comes to like red and green flags, I do think that the actual results the coach has been able to achieve is also important. Um, there's a fine line there too, because again, I know like, I don't think that necessarily has to mean like a ton of progress pictures. Personally, like I think I love sharing progress pictures and celebrating when our clients have done. I know that some people in the industry, again, like it's some people don't like to share their progress pictures and that's completely okay as well. Um, I think it's important to like chat through with your coach before you work together. Like, Hey, what will the communication be like? How much do you expect from me? And that's something like I always like to make sure is very clear as well, as far as, um, like, Hey, here's the things that we have you track. We do like anyone we work with, we need you to track your macros. We need you to like fill out training logs and give us form videos and things of that nature. And it's okay if you're not comfortable with that, but we're not going to be the best fit to help you because that's how we can coach most effectively. Um, and then I also think like, I think a realistic timeline is probably the most important thing here. There's very much like within marketing. Um, it's very much like when things are time bound, it's more appealing to people. So like, Hey, I help, um, busy moms lose 15 pounds in 60 days or whatever it is. When the reality is again, like we can give like a rough estimation of how long it'll take, but we're not fortune tellers. We can't predict exactly like what that'll be. Now, even that I'm like, <laughs> we could probably go back and forth on that. But I think again, like if it seems like they're promising results that are too good to be true, that's probably something to look out for as well. Um, again, specifically in like, people can see some pretty impressive changes in like 60 to 90 days. But the reality is, it's almost always like, it's almost always going to take longer than you want it to, right? This process is typically just quite a bit slower than most people want it to be. Very few people start coaching, get the result they want and are in a good place to like transition out of that and maintain that result in just three months. And that's the reality of it. So I think just like setting realistic expectations and setting clear expectations is such an important piece as well. Um, those are the, those are the couple that stand out to me again, like, I, I'm very neutral with this, to be honest, because I think that there are a lot of people who like, I might not like how they coach personally and it might not work for me, but there's probably someone out there that they could be a great coach for. But I also think especially like making sure they're taking your health into consideration, I think is another important variable, right? Where it is. Um, and I almost think this comes down to, Sometimes I think it's easy for coaches to push the client to get the result that the coach wants them to get, not the result that the client wants, right? Mm -hmm. So for some, and that's like, we're not here to set your goals for you. We're here to, to help create the path and hold you accountable to that. So I think sometimes that comes down to like, the reality is it might be cooler for you to like get this client absolutely shredded, but that might not be what they want. They might like love where they're at right now and not want to continue dieting. Like 
And I think like that's an important variable. And again, just the whole making sure we are looking at things like where is your health at, right? Like what are your biofeedback markers like? Again, like um, what's your menstrual cycle like and things of that nature. Now on the flip side, similarly, this is why like we have to get, this is again, like why this is such a hard question for me to answer. There are just situations like if you're working with a bodybuilding coach and you are working get on the bodybuilding stage, there is a very high likelihood you're going to lose your cycle. It's not a healthy thing that you're doing at that point, right? So that's again, like an inherent thing that we have to understand going into that. So again, I don't want it to, to, to be me <laughs> saying like, if you lose your cycle, you're working with a bad coach because that's not the case. Again, it's like all the context and some women will just like lose their cycle a lot earlier, even like getting ready for photo shoots. It will happen. Um, but again, like making sure we're aware of that. And again, if we are going through a phase like that, we also have an exit strategy, right? Where, okay, coming out of it, now we're focusing on getting this back, right? And restoring your health. It's not just like see ya or like, hey, now we're just going to try to keep you shredded as we can for as long as we can. So I can like have more clout and show all my followers how shredded you are. Um, I think that's an important variable. And then finally, I would say your coach should probably be telling you things that you don't want to hear which I think is a hard one for people to swallow. But I think it's so easy for individuals to think, okay, I haven't been getting the results I want. I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to start paying them. But I basically want to just keep doing the same thing I've been doing. But now because because I'm paying a coach, I'm going to get different results. When the reality is, again, like getting a different result first requires you taking different actions, right? So it is so, and like the most common scenario of this is someone that starts coaching and again, that person who I've been dieting for like a good two years or trying to diet for a good two years, I'm going to hire you to help me diet more. Right. And it's like, Hey, actually, all right, we're going to take like at least three, four months away from dieting first. And uh, that is so commonly not what the person wants to hear, but Hey, long-term, this is actually what's going to allow you to get to where you want to be very similarly. Even like if you've been struggling to build muscle and it's like, well, you try to like turn now again, like there's a fine line. Like I do think coaching should very much be a collaboration. We do want your feedback. We do want your input, but if you're trying to just basically like get your coach to turn your program into how you would program for yourself, again, you're not going to get a better or different result than you were before. You're just going to be spending a lot more money doing the same thing as you were before. So again, I think like that your coach actually be willing to push back and like not always tell you what you want to hear, I think is actually something to look for. Anything else that you would add to that or any other thoughts on that? I, I love it all, especially the last point. Um, and I think uh, we can also tie in there just overall the communication piece. So I think your coach should be available to you. However, not, you know, at a you shouldn't always expect a, an answer back right away, but within a reasonable amount of time. You know, if you have an issue and your coach doesn't respond for a week, I personally would not want a coach like that that might be you know i i'm hiring someone to kind of help me move through things right now um but at the same time i also think um we should not just expect um we as in like the client perhaps should not just expect education along the way whereas yes your coach should be telling you know you, why you're doing certain things or why something might be more optimal than in something else um however as a coach, you don't always know what the person doesn't know or is, is struggling with if right. the client is not communicative. So for me as a coach, I am very much trying to encourage communication. Like I actually want to hear more from my clients rather than than less. And especially if they're like doubting me, I, I, I would rather the person says, hey, why are we 
doing this or why is it going so slow or whatever, rather than them just like after two months quitting because they didn't like it. And I'm like, well, I, we could have, right. you know, adjusted things along the way. Um, but also to your other point, and you mentioned um, sometimes maybe a coach trying to keep someone too lean for too long. I have also seen the opposite with certain coaches where they're like the client comes to them for weight loss. And we as a coach, we just just think of the health and we're like, oh, no, she's been dieting for too long. I really want to get Good her point. healthy first for like a year or whatever and then we can focus on weight loss but as you say the client comes to you for weight loss so like essentially trying to find middle way or be like okay maybe we don't have to stay at maintenance for for a year but maybe three months we can already achieve a lot and then go into the dieting phase so we kind of again communication is the biggest part here um, and then you also mentioned progress pictures and I often I so often wish people would post like one year after progress pictures, not just like, oh, this is at the beginning of the weight loss phase. This is after the weight loss phase, but it's like, this is after the weight loss phase. And this is one year after the weight loss phase. And she looks the same or maybe even better, even though she was at maintenance or maybe because she was at maintenance. People don't post pictures like that enough, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And that's something I've been trying to be much more intentional about actually with my social media. Um, I've been doing more of that than anything else lately, actually, because on the flip side, like we have a good amount of people who like want to do photo shoots and uh, similarly, or even like my own recent photo shoot that I did where you are pushing to a level of leanness that is unsustainable. And I think in so many people's minds, when all you see is just these absolutely shredded people and because really people only typically share pictures of themselves or their clients when they're the most shredded, then it creates this expectation from our other clients that like, Hey, I should be able to just stay that shredded year round too. When the reality is like, you're just seeing like less than 10%, like how they look less than 10% of the year. So that's something I've been very intentional about as of late as well as like, all right, here's where I was for my photo shoot. Here's where I'm at now. Four months later where I'm, I've intentionally gained 15 pounds to get back to a healthy place. Right. And similarly with my clients, like, Hey, this is the client who like started, she had like, she was almost ready for a bodybuilding show. Now we're at the point where we've had to focus on her health. We focus on all these other variables and she has gained weight. She has gained body fat, but she's so much healthier. Here's like her quality of life has improved tremendously. And I think, I think that's an important conversation as well. I fully agree. And honestly, that's something that I've been very intentional about trying to be better at because I think it's, I think it's very needed. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the, in the coaching space, but also for clients for sure. So yeah, thank you so much um, for everything you have shared, Jeremiah. And maybe you can um, let us know your social media or your website as well. And I will obviously definitely put that in the show notes also, but um, I want people to go and, and follow you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at, at Jeremiah Bear. You can follow our team on Instagram at Elevated Coaching Systems. Our website is elevatedcoachingsystems.com. And then our podcast is Living Lean. Amazing. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at nutrition, coaching, and life, or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day. Now go out and work on your best self.